Chapter Ten of Three Years by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Ten. A friend who was often at the Loptovs was Ivan Gavrilich Yartsev. He was a strong, healthy man with black hair and a clever, pleasant face he was considered to be handsome but of late he had begun to grow stout and that rather spoilt his face and figure another thing that spoilt him was that he wore his hair cut so close that the skin showed through at the university his tall figure and physical strength he had taken his degree with the Loptov brothers in the faculty of philology then he went in for science and now had the degree of magister in chemistry but he had never given a lecture or even been a demonstrator he taught physics and natural history in the modern school and in two girls high schools he was enthusiastic over his pupils especially the girls and used to maintain that a remarkable generation was growing up at home he spent his time studying sociology and russian history as well as chemistry and he sometimes published brief notes in the newspapers and magazines signing them why when he talked of some botanical or zoological subject he spoke like an historian when he was discussing some historical question he approached it as a man of science kish nicknamed the eternal student was also like one of the family at the loptovs he had been for three years studying medicine then he took up mathematics and spent two years over each year's courses his father a provincial druggist used to send him forty roubles a month to which his mother without his father's knowledge added another ten and this sum was not only sufficient for his board and lodging but even for such luxuries as an overcoat lined with polish beaver gloves scent and photographs he often had photographs taken of himself and used to distribute them among his friends he was neat and demure slightly bald with golden side whiskers and he had the air of a man nearly always ready to oblige he was always busy looking after other people's affairs at one time he would be rushing about with a subscription list at another time he would be freezing in the early morning at a ticket office to buy tickets for ladies of his acquaintance or at somebody's request would be ordering a wreath or a bouquet people simply said of him kish will go kish will do it kish will buy it he was usually unsuccessful in carrying out his commissions reproaches were showered upon him people frequently forgot to pay him for the things he bought but he simply sighed in hard cases and never protested he was never particularly delighted nor disappointed his stories were always long and boring and his jokes invariably provoked laughter just because they were not funny thus one day for instance intending to make a joke he said to pyotr pyotr you're not a sturgeon and this aroused a general laugh and he too laughed for a long time much pleased at having made such a successful jest whenever one of the professors was buried he walked in front with the mutes yartsov and kish usually came in the evening to tea if the loptovs were not going to the theatre or a concert the evening tea lingered on until supper one evening in february the following conversation took place a work of art is only significant and valuable when there are some serious social problems contained in its central idea said kostya looking wrathfully at yartsov if there is in the work a protest against serfdom or the author takes up arms against the vulgarity of aristocratic society 
the work is significant and valuable the novels that are taken up with ach and och and she loved him while he ceased to love her i tell you are worthless and damn them all i say i agree with you konstantin ivanovitch said yulia sergeyevna one describes a love scene another a betrayal and the third meeting again after separation are there no other subjects why there are many people sick unhappy harassed by poverty to whom reading all that must be distasteful it was disagreeable to laptev to hear his wife not yet twenty-two speaking so seriously and coldly about love he understood why this was so if poetry does not solve questions that seem so important said yatsov you should turn to works on technical subjects criminal law or finance read scientific pamphlets what need is there to discuss in romeo and juliet liberty of speech or the disinfecting of prisons instead of love when you can find all that in special articles and textbooks well that's pushing it to the extreme kostya interrupted we are not talking of giants like shakespeare or goethe we are talking of the hundreds of talented mediocre writers who would be infinitely more valuable if they would let love alone and would employ themselves in spreading knowledge and humane ideas among the masses kish lisping and speaking a little through his nose began telling the story of a novel he had lately been reading he spoke circumstantially and without haste three minutes passed then five then ten and no one could make out what he was talking about and his face grew more and more indifferent and his eyes more and more blank kish do be quick over it yulia sergeyevna could not resist saying it's really agonizing shut up kish kostya shouted to him they all laughed and kish with them fyodor came in flushing red in patches he greeted them all in a nervous flurry and led his brother away into the study of late he had taken to avoiding the company of more than one person at once let the young people laugh while we speak from the heart in here he said settling himself in a deep armchair at a distance from the lamp it's a long time my dear brother since we've seen each other how long is it since you were at the warehouse i think it must be a week yes there's nothing for me to do there and i must confess that the old man wearies me well of course they could get on at the warehouse without you and me but one must have some occupation in the sweat of thy brow thou shalt eat bread as it is written god loves work fyodor brought in a glass of tea on a tray fyodor drank it without sugar and asked for more he drank a great deal of tea and could get through as many as ten glasses in the evening i tell you what brother he said getting up and going to his brother laying aside philosophic subtleties you must get elected on to the town council and little by little we will get you on to the local board and then to be an alderman and as time goes on you are a clever man and well educated you will be noticed in petersburg and asked to go there active men on the provincial assemblies and town councils are all the fashion there now and before you are fifty you'll be a privy councillor and have a ribbon across your shoulders laptev made no answer he knew that all this being a privy councillor and having a ribbon over his shoulder was what fyodor desired for himself and he did not know what to say the brothers sat still and said nothing fyodor opened his watch and for a long long time gazed into it with strained attention as though he wanted to detect the motion of the hand and the expression of his face struck laptev as strange they were summoned to supper laptev went into the dining-room while fyodor remained in the study 
the argument was over and yartsev was speaking in the tones of a professor giving a lecture owing to differences of climate of energy of tastes of age equality among men is physically impossible but civilized man can make this inequality innocuous as he has already done with bogs and bears a learned man succeeded in making a cat a mouse a falcon a sparrow all eat out of one plate and education one must hope will do the same thing with men life continually progresses civilization makes enormous advances before our eyes and obviously a time will come when we shall think for instance the present condition of the factory population as absurd as we now do the state of serfdom in which girls were exchanged for dogs that won't be for a long while a very long while said kostya with a laugh not till rothschild thinks his cellars full of gold absurd until then the workers may bend their backs and die of hunger no that's not it we mustn't wait for it we must struggle for it do you suppose because the cat eats out of the same saucer as the mouse do you suppose that she is influenced by a sense of conscious intelligence not a bit of it she's made to do it by force fyodor and i are rich our father's a capitalist a millionaire you will have to struggle with us said laptev rubbing his forehead with his hand struggle with me is an idea i cannot grasp i am rich but what has money given me so far what has this power given me in what way am i happier than you my childhood was slavery and money did not save me from the birch when nina was ill and died my money did not help her if people don't care for me i can't make them like me if i spend a hundred million but you can do a great deal of good said kish good indeed you spoke to me yesterday of a mathematical man who is looking for a job believe me i can do as little for him as you can i can give money but that's not what he wants i asked a well-known musician to help a poor violinist and this is what he answered you apply to me just because you are not a musician yourself in the same way i say to you that you apply for help to me so confidently because you've never been in the position of a rich man why you bring in the comparison with a well-known musician i don't understand said yulia sergeyevna and she flushed crimson what has the well-known musician to do with it her face was quivering with hatred and she dropped her eyes to conceal the feeling and not only her husband but all the men sitting at the table knew what the look in her face meant what has the well-known musician got to do with it she said slowly why nothing's easier than helping someone poor silence followed pyotr handed the woodcock but they all refused it and ate nothing but salad laptev did not remember what he had said but it was clear to him that it was not his words that were hateful but the fact of his meddling in the conversation at all after supper he went into his study intently with a beating heart expecting further humiliation he listened to what was going on in the hall an argument had sprung up there again then yartsev sat down to the piano and played a sentimental song he was a man of varied accomplishments he could play and sing and even perform conjuring tricks you may please yourselves my friends but i'm not going to stay at home said yulia we must go somewhere they decided to drive out of town and sent kish to the merchants club to order a three-horse sledge they did not ask laptev to go with them because he did not usually join these expeditions and because his brother was sitting with him but he took it to mean that his society bored them and that he was not wanted in their light-hearted youthful company and his vexation his bitter feeling was so intense that he almost shed tears 
he was positively glad that he was treated so ungraciously that he was scorned that he was a stupid dull husband a money-bag and it seemed to him that he would have been even more glad if his wife were to deceive him that night with his best friend and were afterwards to acknowledge it looking at him with hatred he was jealous on her account of their student friends of actors of singers of yartsov even of casual acquaintances and now he had a passionate longing for her really to be unfaithful to him he longed to find her in another man's arms and to be rid of this nightmare for ever fyodor was drinking tea gulping it noisily but he too got up to go our old father must have got cataract he said as he put on his fur coat his sight has become very poor laptop put on his coat too and went out after seeing his brother part of the way home he took a sledge and drove to yours and this is family happiness he said jeering at himself this is love his teeth were chattering and he did not know if it were jealousy or something else he walked about near the tables listened to a comic singer in the hall he had not a single phrase ready if he should meet his own party and he felt sure beforehand that if he met his wife he would only smile pitifully and not cleverly and that every one would understand what feeling had induced him to come here he was bewildered by the electric light the loud music the smell of powder and the fact that the ladies he met looked at him he stood at the doors trying to see and to hear what was going on in the private rooms and it seemed to him that he was somehow playing a mean contemptible part on a level with the comic singers and those ladies then he went to strelna but he found none of his circle there either and only when on the way home he was again driving up to yars a three-horse sledge noisily overtook him the driver was drunk and shouting and he could hear yartsov laughing ha ha laptov returned home between three and four yulia sergeyevna was in bed noticing that she was not asleep he went up to her and said sharply i understand your repulsion your hatred but you might spare me before other people you might conceal your feelings she got up and sat on the bed with her legs dangling her eyes looked big and black in the lamplight i beg your pardon she said he could not utter a single word from excitement and the trembling of his whole body he stood facing her and was dumb she trembled too and sat with the air of a criminal waiting for explanations how i suffer he said at last and he clutched his head i'm in hell and i'm out of my mind do you suppose it's easy for me she asked with a quiver in her voice god alone knows what i go through you've been my wife for six months but you haven't a spark of love for me in your heart there's no hope not one ray of light why did you marry me laptov went on with despair why what demon thrust you into my arms what did you hope for what did you want she looked at him with terror as though she were afraid he would kill her did i attract you did you like me he went on gasping for breath no then what what tell me what he cried oh the cursed money the cursed money i swear to god no she cried and she crossed herself she seemed to shrink under the insult and for the first time he heard her crying i swear to god no she repeated i didn't think about your money i didn't want it i simply thought i should do wrong if i refused you i was afraid of spoiling your life and mine and now i am suffering for my mistake i'm suffering unbearably she sobbed bitterly and he saw that she was hurt and not knowing what to say dropped down on the carpet before her 
that's enough that's enough he muttered i insulted you because i love you madly he suddenly kissed her foot and passionately hugged it if only a spark of love he muttered come lie to me tell me a lie don't say it's a mistake but she went on crying and he felt that she was only enduring his caresses as an inevitable consequence of her mistake and the foot he had kissed she drew under her like a bird he felt sorry for her she got into bed and covered her head over he undressed and got into bed too in the morning they both felt confused and did not know what to talk about and he even fancied she walked unsteadily on the foot he had kissed before dinner panaroff came to say good-bye yulia had an irresistible desire to go to her own home it would be nice she thought to go away and have a rest from married life from the embarrassment and the continual consciousness that she had done wrong it was decided at dinner that she should set off with panaroff and stay with her father for two or three weeks until she was tired of it end of chapter ten recording by expatriate in bangor maine